turn to Revelations 1, verse 9. So we're going to read from verse 10, sorry. Revelation 1 from verse 10. It says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, and this is John speaking, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Tyre, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire, his feet like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the shining sun, was like sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his hand on my head and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I want to stop there. Excuse my voice. I'm a little bit croaky this morning, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Here's John on the Isle of Patmos, and he gets a revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what is going to happen in the end times. This is John, the disciple of Jesus. This is John who lay with his head on Jesus' chest. This is the John that spent time with Jesus. They had meals together. They were sharing boat trips together. Um, I can imagine them walking down the road and, you know, like guys do, like little shoulder bump here and there, and hey, they were friends. But here is John when he has this revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that his hair is white like snow, that he's got a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth, that his face shines like the sun, that his hair is like wool, that he's got a voice like many waters. When John sees this Jesus, he falls down as though dead. This Jesus that was his friend, when he has a revelation of who he really is, the impact that it had on his life was that he fell down as though dead. The resurrected Jesus is no more the Jesus that walked around here on the earth. He is now the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. This Jesus is a glorious Jesus. But the thing about this Jesus is one day he is coming back. And when he comes back, it is going to be a scary time because he's coming back as the judge. And he will judge the living and the dead. My question to you is, are you ready to face Jesus when he comes back as the judge? This resurrected Jesus is nothing like the Jesus he was here on the earth. He is the king. And the judgment that he brings will be final. This morning I want to speak on God is requiring a lifestyle of holiness. Sin is sin and God cannot look upon sin. God will never be pleased with sin. God is not going to say, oh man, it's all right. In God's eyes, sin is sin and it will remain sin. As humans, we like to think, you know, God is old-fashioned, that God has maybe changed his mind somewhere down the line, that he doesn't look so, so intently. It's like, you know, that thing that God said was sin long ago in the Old Testament, you know, he's changed his mind about it now. Now it's all right to do. 
It's not that serious anymore. We think God has changed his mind, and we can now do as we please. The government has said it's all right. The authorities have said it's all right. The majority have said it's all right, or the minority have said it's all right. Because they've said it's all right does not make it right. Let me use this one quickly, just throw it in there. Abortion. Because the government has said it's all right does not make it all right. In God's eyes, it is murder. You can say what you like. You can try and argue the point. God sees it as sin. It is not right in his eyes. No matter how much negotiating you try and do with God, sin remains sin in his eyes. Let me use this one as an example. This is one of those ones that we, we try and say, God, you're old-fashioned about this one. Premarital sex. Is it okay? It's okay. You know, before we get married, we first have to see if we are compatible. That's a lie of the devil. Everyone is doing it, so it must be right. Because everyone's doing it does not make it right. I love the person. We're going to get married. Still does not make it right. You can't come and twist God's arm and say, but God, we're going to get married, so uh, this is all right. No, in God's eyes, it is sin, and it will remain sin. He will not bless sin, and he will not condone sin. So you may ask me, what is sin? Sin is anything that goes against or is contrary to the Word of God and to God's principles. Sin cannot produce life. It can only produce death. A few weeks ago, we had David here, and he was speaking to us at Courageous Men, and he gave us a little equation. And it's man plus sin equals death. The same as one plus one equals two. You can write there it equals three. Your answer is wrong. No matter how much you try and convince someone that one plus one is three or four or five or six, the answer still remains two. And it's the same with sin. Man plus sin will equal death if it was not for Jesus Christ. When we do not spend time in God's presence, in, when we do not spend time in God's word, learning God's principles, learning the nature of God, learning what pleases Him, we are easily deceived by the enemy. And we think... That what God says is sin is all right. We try and make God out to be a liar. We twist his word. We take scriptures. We take them out of context. And we twist them and we say, but God says it's all right to do this. And we make God out to be a liar so that we can justify what we are doing. And worse still, we'll even go and tell other people it's okay to do what we are doing. And in that way, deceive them in following in our footsteps. I don't know how many of you can remember the old radios that we used to have, where you had a dial that you had to adjust to get the radio onto the station. And if you were just a little bit off, it, the station was all scratchy. Sometimes while you were tuning, you ended up even between two stations, and you couldn't really hear what was going on. It's the same with us if we are not tuned into God into what he is saying, into what he is doing, then we will be hearing things in a distorted way. Or we'll be hearing untruths because we are not tuned into our Father. The message will come out distorted and we'll start believing things that we shouldn't believe. We'll believe the lie of the devil as the truth of God when it remains a lie. I want to use another illustration. I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have played that game, Broken Telephone, where we stand in a line and the person who starts gives the person next to them a message and then that message is passed on down the line. 
by the time it gets to the end of the line, that message resembles nothing of what it started out to be. I want to say to us, it is better to go to the source and get the message firsthand than be deceived into a message that is all distorted. Because it's the same as that, that illustration of the broken telephone. If that person at the end was given an instruction, well, let's put it this way. If the, per, the first person was given an instruction, that person at the end, I don't know what kind of instruction they are going to have been given, but they're going to do something totally contrary to the instruction that was given at the beginning. And they're going to be totally off. And so if we are not going to the source, if you are not found reading God's word, if you are not found in the presence of God hearing from him, the enemy will come and sow seeds and you will start believing the lie of the enemy and become deceived. God's desire is for us to live a life of holiness and righteousness. We will not be able to do this if we don't know what his word has to say. A little while ago, I saw a picture of a beautiful lake. And when I saw this picture, my heart's desire was, man, I want to go there on holiday. It was this beautiful lake surrounded by beautiful mountains, trees all around, and it, the, the water was crystal clear. And it's one of those places, man, your heart's desire is, yeah, I just want to go there. I want to go and swim. I want to go and relax. And just going to have a good time there. But there was a problem with this lake. This lake was toxic. If you had to swim in that lake, it would kill you. And this is what sin does. It deceives you into thinking that it looks good. How can it be wrong? Adam and Eve with that apple. Here the enemy comes. Satan comes. And he says, Eve, have you seen that apple? Look how beautiful it looks. That apple is more juicy than any of the other apples in the Garden of Eden. Man, it's going to taste fantastic. And what happens is Eve goes and picks that apple. Let's come back to one of our common stories, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Again, the juicy apple. I don't know, maybe there's a problem with apples. Eh? I don't know. <laughs> but in both cases, that tasty fruit led to death. See, this is what Satan does. He comes and he camouflages so that it looks good. And then once you are trapped and once you've partaken of it, it leads you down a road that you do not want to go. It takes you further down that road than you ever wanted to go. And then it will leave you destroyed on the side of the road. The road of sin leads to death and destruction. Remember that formula? Man plus sin equals death. And ultimately will lead you where you did not want to go and where you did not want to end up. In a place where you will be separated from God's love. In a place that was never meant for humankind to go to. A place called hell. I want to give you another formula. Sin plus death will equal hell. If Jesus is not in that equation, I am sorry to say to you, as hard as it is, that you are on a road that's leading to the death and destruction, the end of which leads to hell. We say things like this, how can a righteous and loving God send people to hell? I want to say to you, it is not God's fault when people end up in hell. God has done everything that he needs to do from his side to provide a way for us so that we don't end up in hell. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, to purchase us, to forgive us of our sins so that we do not have to end up going to hell. He paid the price that we should have had to pay for our sinful nature. 
And because of what Jesus did, our sins can be forgiven. And we can receive the mercy of God. But for this to happen, there has to be a choice that is made. Will you accept Jesus Christ? Will you accept God's Son? Will you accept what He did on the cross for you? Or will you reject it? If we continue in our sin and reject God's grace, then it is not God's fault if we end up in hell. It is our own fault. Let me give you this illustration. If you wanted to fly from here to Durban, when you get to that airport to climb onto that plane, you are in need of a ticket. A ticket saying that you are flying from O.R. Tambo to, I don't know, whatever, King Shark, King Sharker Airport. If you do not have that ticket, they will not allow you to climb onto that aircraft. There was a friend of mine who did that. He'd had a bit too much to drink the night before. I don't know how he managed to do it, but he snuck through, got onto the plane, and he would have got away with it. But because he'd been drinking too much, he became this loud mouth and a bit arrogant on the plane, and they started asking, who's this guy? And they found out he didn't have a ticket. When he got to Durban, they arrested him. <laughs> And it's the same for us. Jesus is, our, Jesus is our ticket. And if we do not have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then I'm sorry to tell you that hell is your destination. I'm just being real with you this morning. Jesus is the only one who can pardon our sin. There is no other way. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Krishna. None of those can save us. Only Jesus. You say to me, hell is a hoax. It's something that Jesus has told us about to scare us so that we will want to follow him and not end up going to that place. But I want to say to you that hell is a real place. And it is a place that you and I do not want to end up in. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 says this, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The road that leads to destruction is wide, and many follow it. The road that leads to hell has no exit. Once you are in hell, there is no exit plan. There is no escape. Once Jesus has passed judgment and has said, this is where you are going, there is no escape from hell. And it is for eternity. And many of us battle with this concept of eternity because here on earth we can't understand eternity. And I'd like to explain it to you the way someone explained it to me once. They said if Mount Everest, the mountain range, and Mount Everest was a big diamond, and once a year, a little sparrow would come and sit on that mountain and wipe his beak, you know, once on the left, once on the right, and fly off, the time it would take for him to wear away Mount Everest would be like a split second in the eye of eternity. Eternity is real. My question to you is where will you spend it? There are only two choices. Heaven with, the de uh, with God or in hell with the devil. That's the only two choices. And the choice you make here on earth will determine where you will spend your eternity. Do not be deceived and do not get led into a false sense of security. Your life and your destiny and your eternity depend on it. John 3 verse 17, and I'm just going to go through a whole lot of scripture, so you can just write them down. 
It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, whoever believes in him and is not, con um, sorry, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by, faith, by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. God's mercy triumphs over judgment. But there is a time that is coming if I can put it this way, when the mercy of God runs out and there will be judgment and judgment will be passed down on each and every one of us. Proverbs 21 verse 2 says this, all of man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Matthew 12 verse 36, but I tell you, that man will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God's plan for us as the human race is eternal life. If you will choose His Son, Jesus Christ. Revelations 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and the sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. You see, when we get to that place of judgment, there is no bribing the angels to lose the documents in heaven. Heaven's archives are not like here in South Africa where things disappear. Everything is written down. Nothing will be forgotten. You cannot pay someone to remove them. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them, and each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into a lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And throughout the Bible, we see that there will have to be given an account by each and every one of us as to the life that we have lived here on earth. What have we done with Jesus Christ? Have we accepted him or not? And when it comes to that day of judgment, there are no second chances. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 2 Peter 2 verse 4, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, do you think that we're going to escape his judgment? Hebrews 9 27, Just as a man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. Acts 17 31, for he has set today when he will judge the world with the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and that man is Jesus Christ. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. And this is the scary part here. Matthew twenty four thirty six. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son but only the Father. You see, none of us know when that day is going to come. 
But I want to say to you that that day is coming. And it is coming like a freight train. Are you ready for when Jesus Christ comes? Are you ready to face what he has to say about your life? And there are two questions that I want to ask today. And the first one is that, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you accepted him? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Has your name been written in the Lamb's book of life? Then the second one is for those of us who are children of God, for those who have accepted this invitation that Jesus has given us. I want to read this to us. 1 John 3 verse 9, no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin because God's seed, his principles of life, the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again, who is reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose. And he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin because he is born of God and longs to please him. 1 John 3 verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. You see, as children of God, those of us who call ourselves children of God, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, we cannot continue to sin. We cannot live a lifestyle of sin. God has said he wants us to be set apart. We are aliens here on the earth. And we need to set an example of godly living. There are too many of us who call ourselves Christians who live like the devil, who live a lifestyle of sin. And we are leading the people in the world astray. They say, if that's what you call Christianity, I don't want it. And the reason they don't want it is because they don't see Jesus in us. They don't see us living a different lifestyle. 1 John 3 verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. So let's just change that around a little bit. If you call yourself a Christian and you are continuing to sin and go against the principles of God, then my question is, are you really born again? Has Jesus come in and changed your life? Maybe you need to get born again, again. Because according to this scripture, yeah, no one who keeps on sinning is of God. And please, I'm not trying to say that we are perfect, that we will not sin. Yes, we will sin and we will make mistakes. But if you are living a lifestyle that has not changed from the day when you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, if there has been no change and you're still carrying on the same way that you did, then I question whether Jesus Christ is really Lord of your life. So coming back, there are two things that I want to deal with this morning. The first one is, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and the second one, if you call yourself a Christian and you are continuing to live a life of sin, you need to change your lifestyle. And I want to give us opportunity this morning. And Alex wants to just share something just quickly as well. But I want to give opportunity this morning that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today will be the day that you ask him to come and change who you are 
that today will be the day that you will make him Lord and Savior of your life, that you will turn away, that you will repent of your sins. And the other one is, is that if you call yourself a Christian and you are living a lifestyle of sin, today is the day of repentance. And I'm not going to make it easy for you. And I'm going to warn you from the beginning that I'm going to ask you to come forward. And there will be people here who will pray with you. And we want to stand in agreement. If you are living, if you call yourself a Christian and you are battling in an habitual lifestyle of sin, that today that thing will be broken over your life, that today you will have victory in those areas. Alex. While we were worshiping, I just um, I just felt Jesus say, he's standing at the door and knock, knocking. And then uh, I, s- I saw this picture of a an obstacle course. And you know, obstacle course, they start off easy, you jump over the one, you go underneath the next. And then there's the, this, the ropes you have to go underneath. But then it starts getting a bit more difficult and there's balancing beams and there's there's these walls that you need to climb. There's cargo nets you need to climb. And, and eventually, most obstacles end up with one that is just impossible to do. It's usually a wall, straight up. And I just felt like so, so many of us feel like that's what it means to come to, to know Jesus, to come to salvation. Because you have to go through this obstacle course, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. And eventually, you get to a point where you're just saying, you look at this wall, and you're like, it's impossible to follow Jesus. But it's not like that. I just and just next to the obstacle course, I saw Jesus, and he was just saying, "Just come. You don't need to jump hoops. You don't need to climb things. You don't need to go over balancing beams and prove yourself to me. I just want you to come." And I just felt that scripture: I'd "Stand at the door and knock." He's, he is knocking at the hearts of our, the doors of our hearts, and um, for some, it's for the first time. And if you've been sitting here in the, wor- in the meeting and you feel like there's a knocking at your heart. It's your, your heart's literally trying to knock itself out of your chest. Then, then, then that's a person that God's talking to. But if it's for some, you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, but he's become second, third, fourth, fifth important in your life. To such an a point, you know, when you have something that's exciting in your life, it's it's right there in the middle of the room. Eventually, you forget about it, moves to the side of the room. Before you know it, your m- your mom has thrown it out. It's in the trash. And I just felt like for some, Jesus has actually been thrown out. He's sta- he's back where he was in the beginning. He's standing at the door, and he's knocking. So if that's you, I want to invite you to come forward. And all the ones that Dion was talking about. Please come forward. Today is a day of salvation. Lee, you're still around here with the baby. <laughs> if you are, can I ask you just to come and just play on the guitar? That invitation stands. If you need a touch from Jesus, come forward. Let's pray with you. Let's trust that today your life will be changed and that you will leave here a different person. Can we pray? Father, I know that in some senses this word may have been a hard word for people to hear, but it is a word that we need to hear because of the time that we are living in. That this is not a game that we are playing. That, Father, what we are doing here on this earth has eternal consequences. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you start working in people's lives. I know you already have been, but I just pray that there will be just that knowing in people's lives that I need to step forward. I need to come forward. I need Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you 
You will convict the people of sin and righteousness and of judgment to come. So that, Father, we make our lives right with you. That when you come, you find us ready and you find us doing the work that you've asked us to do. I want to make it very clear that we are not here to judge anybody. If it was not for Jesus, each and every one of us would be on that road leading to hell. But it's only because of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that we can stand here as blood-bought, blood-washed saints of Jesus, as sons and daughters of our Father. So I want to invite you, come forward. If you are in need of a touch from Jesus, come forward. And let God minister to you this morning. I just feel there's some of you sitting in your chair and you're saying, is this me? I want to say to you, yes, it's you. You are the one that Jesus is speaking to. And I know I'm not making it easy this morning. But it needs to be a decision from your heart saying, I want to change my life. I want to line up with the word of God. And I want to live according to the principles of God. No, this is an awkward time right now. But God is busy working with people. And so I'm prepared to wait just a little longer. Because I know that there are more than this that need a touch from God. And just ask for some of the leaders to, to just come forward and to start praying with people here in the front. If you don't need prayer, please come and enjoy some tea and coffee with, uh, and have some fellowship. But if I can just ask, if we can just keep it down in the hall that there's not too much noise here so that we can pray with these people that are up front.
Maurice, please go and enjoy some tea and coffee. And yeah, enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>